really mean to reconcile a relationship? When you're asking another person to forgive you for an offense, what if they won't forgive you? Who holds the keys to your forgiveness? Welcome to Freedom, Becoming Fully Alive. So glad you're here today. Our, today, our session today is entitled, Free to Reconcile. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day that you have made, Lord. You're the God of reconciliation, reconciling us to yourself, Lord, that we might be ministers of reconciliation one to another. Lord, speak to our hearts today. And I pray we'll be motivated, Lord, to be reconciled with you fully and reconciled with one another totally. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to Freedom. If you've stepped into the flow in recent weeks or have been away for a while, like uh, doing important things like uh, getting the harvest in and all of that, we're glad that you're here. We're in part one. It's a seven-part uh, seven-session series in part one, Becoming Relationally Free. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean if you're just relationally free, you can just do whatever you want to do? Is that something like free love or free something else uh, without boundaries? No, no, no. Always under God's lordship, always under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It really has to do with free to be who God created you, created you to be. Free to love and free to be loved and free to give and free to receive and free to be the son or daughter that he created us to be. Fully alive and free, fully alive with him. Well, that doesn't just happen. As we come to know more and more who we are as sons and daughters, that's part of it. As we really see the real problem in our lives where that exists, if there's any more idolatry or pride in our lives, and as we repent of that, that will help. And then we count the cost of freedom, as we did in session three, that we're willing to come to the point in our lives that no matter what's going on in our lives, circumstance-wise or relationship-wise, our attitude is, Lord, just use it all for good. Make me into the son or daughter you want me to be. Mold and shape me. Even if it's painful, Lord, use it for good. Certainly draw me closer to you, Lord, even if that other person is unwilling. I'm willing, Lord, if they're not. Still, use it for good, Lord, in my life, making me the man or woman that you want me to be. And then last week, free to forgive. We'll never be free unless we're forgiven by the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we certainly won't stay free unless we walk in forgiveness toward one another. So forgiving, canceling the debt, they owe me nothing because Jesus gave me everything. He's my life. He's my everything. I'd rather give than get. I'd rather, I'd rather give than receive. I'd rather love than be loved. That is turning the corner in relationships where we really are in relationship to give. We're really in relationship to love. We're not looking to, to somebody else to fill our cup anymore. And we're going to let Jesus fill our cup, and then we just want to pour it out on others. Yes, that takes time. Yes, that's an issue of maturity as well. But I pray that as we move along, you'll fully cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You'll let him have his way with your heart. And you'll realize there's a war going on for our hearts. And our hearts are a treasure. We've got to take care of our hearts. Or they'll become poisoned and, and, and they'll leak all over the place and, and be destructive to ourselves and relationship with others. So as we continue on today with forgiveness leading the way, we're going to talk about what it means to reconcile. 
with somebody else. By definition, a working definition on your outline, the restoration of harmony, oneness, or right standing with one another in a relationship in which there's been the slightest breach. Now, I realize it might take time, even when reconciliation takes place, which is achieved through repentance and the seeking of forgiveness on the part of the offender and the extending of forgiveness on part of the offended, even when that takes place as an act of our will in obedience to God, sometimes our hearts haven't caught up yet. Sometimes our emotions haven't caught up yet. Sometimes and certainly in the case of marriage where it's God's design, oneness hasn't been restored yet. But one thing for sure, oneness never will be restored unless reconciliation leads the way. We'll never be one. We'll never have that closeness. We'll never have that sense of well-being unless we have forgiven all that needs to be forgiven and we've been forgiven by the other person. It really takes three. It really takes three to reconcile a relationship. We know God's in. He's the, he's the, uh, the Reconciler, capital R, the God of reconciliation. So when we submit to Him and obey Him, forgiving and receiving and asking and humbling ourselves, when He's forgiven us on His terms and we forgive one another on His terms, so there's been an asking and a receiving, and the offender has asked for forgiveness, and the offended has forgiven, and we see it comes together. But it takes three. If one is unwilling, if one is unwilling, reconciliation won't take place. Are we trapped? Are we stuck? Does that mean I'm in no man's land? No. It takes one to resolve an issue between the Lord and me. It takes three to reconcile. So it is that some relationships are never reconciled because one out of the three are unwilling. God's always willing, but if one out of the other two are unwilling, reconciliation w will not take place. That could be hurtful. That could be an, uh, a loss that may need to be processed and resolved, but it, it's, it's true. Reconciliation isn't automatic. It takes full cooperation of the three. There's some verses in your outline that speak of reconciliation with God and reconciliation with man. Let's look at the one in Colossians first. And then we'll lead to our theme verse for today. But in Colossians, the first chapter, verse 19, it says... For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, of course, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. God loves to reconcile. Whether things on earth or things on heaven or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There's only peace. <laughs> there's only peace. He's the Prince of Peace, and there's only peace through the blood of Jesus Christ and his cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies of your, in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. The cross is the peace table 
On planet Earth, nations try to get together with their key leaders. They try to reconcile their offenses. They try to achieve peace. And uh, seldom does it ever happen. Because there can only be true peace, true peace at the peace table of the cross. This cross is standing upright as we are accustomed to seeing it. But if we were to lay this cross in a horizontal position, and if we invited men and women to come and make peace in their relationships at the peace table, the peace table of the cross. There's only peace at this table, and we don't think of it as a table, but if you put it in a horizontal position as a table, and if we came and sat down at that table, and we meditated on what happened at that table, who died on this cross? Who gave his life? Who shed his blood? The sinless, spotless Lamb of God for each one of us. And as we look at that, we think that puts everything into perspective. He died for me. I've been forgiven a debt I could never pay. And as I really receive and meditate and I'm grateful for that reality, then hopefully that will motivate me to forgive others and to humble myself in relationships, asking for forgiveness, not making what that other person did or didn't do so important, not making them the key, not making them life, not making them bigger than life, but keeping in perspective he is life and who he is and what he's done and who he is to me, that's what fulfills my life. And as we live from that reality, it makes all the difference excuse me, how we relate <clears throat> to one another. Reconciled with God on his terms. Reconciled with each other on his terms as well. Our theme verse or verses today are found in Matthew 5.21 and, excuse me, Matthew 5.23 and 24. And that's on the cover. And it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. This is a picture. This is a picture of our vertical relationship with the Lord. With or without an altar. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> with or without an offering. It depicts, it represents our relationship with the Lord. And there you remember that your brother has, against you, has something against you. It does not have to be a brother, by the way. But obviously, if it's a brother or a sister, there's relationship there. So it's somebody you're in relationship with. So you're offering your gift at the altar, you're having a relationship with the Lord, and there you recall somebody, you sense somebody has ought against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come back and offer your gift. There's the, the picture of the cross. Vertical and relational. We don't have the luxury of saying, Lord, I get along great with you. It's people I have trouble with, so forget them but you and I are doing wonderfully. So let's just stick together. Thank you for your forgiveness. I'll revel in your love, but man, I, I really don't have want much to do with these people because these people bug me, they offend me, they bother me. You can't trust them anyway. We don't have that luxury of just sweeping people away and having Jesus be enough in that way. Yes, he needs to be enough. 
But what does that mean? It doesn't mean we become a spiritual recluse. It doesn't mean we head for the mountains and don't have anything to do with people. It means that as we are in, on planet Earth and we're involved with people and we live and move and have our being with people and we're in the trenches of life and there's hard situations and people that are hard to be around and, and you know, maybe at times we're one of those people that are hard to be around. But Others in our life that are hard to be around is like, this is challenging, Lord, can't you just take them out of my life? It'd be a whole lot better if in the workplace or the family place, can you just, can, can I move away? Can they move away? Can they get fired? Can I, can I move on to something else? I just don't want to be around them. I don't want to have to deal with them. Just in case you can ever relate to that, I thought I'd just address those possibilities. <laughs> So there are great challenges. But God is saying, oh, we want this to be both ways. Vertical with me. I'm so glad I'm enough. I'm so glad you know I love you. I'm so glad you're my son or daughter. Revel in my love. You are wonderful. Okay, now let's live. Let's live. Let's learn to love. Let's learn to forgive. Let's learn to relate to that person that is nearly impossible to relate to. But through me, you can do all things through me, says the Lord. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the grace. Humble yourself. But Lord, they're trying to control my life. I don't want to do it on their terms. They're controlling. They're manipulative. Does that mean I have to do everything they want? Oh, no. Do it on my terms, says the Lord. Do it my way. Well, they're going to get upset. They're going to twist it. They're going to think, what kind of a Christian are you? They're going to spread rumors around the family in the workplace. They're going to give me a bad name. I mean, we got to get this under control, Lord. Do something. I mean, you're God. You're all-powerful. You're supposed to be in control. Why are you letting this happen? <coughs> Excuse me. Can anybody relate to any of this? <coughs> He's letting it happen because he loves us. <laughs> and you're thinking, if this is how he treats his kids, how does he treat his enemies? No. It's like, why is he letting this happen? Oh, because he loves us. He wants us to experience the fellowship of his sufferings. He wants us to be drawn closer to you, to him. He wants greater intimacy. He wants to teach us how to love with his love, to live with his life, to depend solely on him, that we are convinced we can't do it on our own strength. There's only one hope, and that's doing it on his strength. Have you ever been in that situation where you're thinking, oh, Lord, this is hard, but I guess you're, you're, teaching me, you're teaching me how to love. I guess I don't. I thought I knew how to love. I thought I knew how to love with your love, but I guess I've, I'm still learning. And keep in mind that his love is wise, and his love is holy, and his love is righteous. His love isn't a cream puff love. His love is not a permissive love. His love doesn't mean we just get kicked around, and the goal is to make everybody happy, and they think we're so loving because we never rock the boat. We're so nice. No. Our love may express itself at times, taking a stand that nobody likes. We might stand alone. They might think we're not very nice, not very loving. But we're doing it on his terms. 
at the risk of being wrong and in process, and sometimes we get off and we need to be convicted and get back on the track. So, as you're living your life, and you remember somebody's got ought against you, what are we going to do? Are we going to say, oh, that's their problem, man, alive? They're impossible. Forget them. Is that an option? Well, it says, first go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, try to think of real-life situations that you've been involved in or that you are. What does it really mean? Okay, here you are. Do you know that person's offended with you, or you sense maybe they are, or something's different? Now what? That's really what these verses are speaking to. These verses are saying it's not an option just to continue on with you and the Lord vertically. You've got to do some business horizontally. But how? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Seeking forgiveness from another person. When is it necessary? Well, when you sense or the offended person tells you that you've wronged or offended him or her and you agree that you were wrong. And those verses that I just read speak to that. So that's pretty clear. They think you're wrong. You know you're wrong. You're willing to humble yourself. You're willing to ask their forgiveness. We always need to humble ourselves. We always need to be willing to take the truth where we find it, even if the other person isn't very grace-filled in their presentation. Sometimes we do agree on the essence. Sometimes we do agree that you think I was wrong. I know I was wrong. But a potential stumbling block is how they present it. If they express it unkindly, if they express it with a high degree of intensity, and you're thinking, man, I know I'm wrong, but can you be a little nicer about it? I mean, you're not being very nice. I mean, I feel like you're beating up on me. You know, sometimes we get hung up on the presentation. We stumble over their presentation, and we miss the essence. Don't miss the essence. Take the truth where you find it. The way I say it, even if somebody, the way I describe it sometimes, even if somebody's presenting their issue on a dirty platter or a platter that is not appealing, you don't like the presentation. You know, you, sometimes you like to go to restaurants, you know, and the food's not only good, but the presentation makes it extra special. Well, sometimes the platter on which people are presenting their issues of offense to you are not pretty. The platter is not appealing. And if you focused on the platter, it'd be hard, it would be hard to hear. It'd be hard to hear what they're saying because they're not being nice about it. They're attacking their tone, their intensity. It's totally ineffective. But are you willing to humble yourself and, and have the attitude, even if they're wrong in what they're saying, even if their delivery isn't helping the matter, even if their tone of voice or their delivery isn't helping, isn't promoting reconciliation. Lord, am I wrong? Yeah, you're wrong. I know it. I know I'm wrong. That's the issue. Humble yourself. Take the truth where you find it. Sometimes in relationships, we stumble over the incidental, so to speak. We stumble over the person's delivery. We stumble over their tone. And we react to that. And we get offended over that. And we miss the issue that God's trying to focus us, focus us in on. Well, how about another example? 
when you sense or the offended person tells you that you've wronged or offended them, uh, but, but you don't see it. You, you don't think you are wrong. I mean, you're willing to see it, and you're trying to be teachable, and you're trying to be humble, but you, you just don't agree. And it's kind of like, well, you, this is, it might be true in your mind, but it's, it's not true in my mind. So then what we do sometimes as a point of integrity, and we should have integrity, is we think, well, I can't ask forgiveness for something that I didn't think was wrong. I mean, they're liable to think I'm admitting guilt. I can't have them think that because it's not true. I don't think I did anything wrong. They think I did. I don't think I did. How can I agree to it? It feels like a black hole. It feels like a slippery slope. It feels like, man, alive, they've got so many expectations of me, I'm just going to get swallowed up. <coughs> Excuse me. So I can't give them any encouragement, can I? We've got to slow them down. It's the truth that matters, right? And I don't agree, and my integrity won't allow me to agree with them. Well, is that going to help? It's understandable. Consider this. In this situation, you don't have to agree with the offended person that you're wrong. There is, however, still a basis to acknowledge to them that you realize that they were offended. And to ask their forgiveness anyway. In this way, you are demonstrating to them, him or her, that you value relationship with them. At the same time, by asking them to forgive you, you're helping them to obey the Lord because he does want them to forgive you. So what it amounts to is if you're going to ask forgiveness for something you don't think is wrong, don't make the issue, small i, the issue. Don't make that the pivotal point of concern because you won't agree on the small i issue. Let's say that's their perception. It wasn't your intent. Therefore, you don't think you were wrong. How can you agree with their small i issue? It's in their mind. It isn't in reality, and you're convinced God doesn't agree with them. So where's the bridge? Because the Bible does say, first go and be reconciled to your brother. It doesn't say you don't have to go. If you don't think you're wrong, you don't have to go. If, it's, if the problem is them, let them stew. Let them wrestle with me. Let it be their problem. You didn't do anything wrong. They're immature. Write them off. You know, no, no, no. Can't do that. No conditions. If you sense there's an issue, you've got a responsibility to check it out and to take steps to promote reconciliation. Can't make it happen, but we do have a can't make the outcome happen because that takes three. But we do have a responsibility. And I hope, I hope you can get into this. I hope you can connect with this. This applies to marriage, parent situation, parent-child situation, employment situations, all kinds of relationships. This still applies. Make the issue relationship. Don't make the issue of offense the issue. It is an issue with them but make the basis, the purpose of you validating, acknowledging, and asking for their forgiveness anyway is that you value the relationship with them. If they interpret that as an admission of wrong, let that be between them and God. Be of no reputation. Don't try to control that. If they do think, because they're going to think you're wrong anyway, <laughs> whether you admit it or not, so let that be between them and the Lord and humble yourself and be of no reputation. 
because you know. And then in the meantime, you say, Lord, I'm still open. If I'm missing something, if I'm missing something, show me. Show me if I am missing something, because I, I do want to see it. But for now, I can't say that I do if I don't. But one thing I do know, I value relationship. So in the case of Ed, I've offended Ed, let's say, hypothetically. He confronts me, and I don't happen to see it. But I say, Ed, I really value relationship with you. And uh, you know, we may not agree. Maybe we're going to have to agree to disagree agreeably, Ed. But the most important thing is that I value relationship. And if I offended you, please forgive me, because I would never want to do that intentionally. So I pray that you can find it in your heart to forgive me, because I really value our relationship. It means so much to me. Now, consider that approach versus, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. You are so thin-skinned. I mean, you're always getting offended over everything. John's been telling me about it, too. I mean, everybody knows it. You need to grow up, and somebody needs to tell you that your perceptions are out of whack. So I don't think I did anything wrong, so there. How's that? Which one of those examples fit Matthew 5, 23, and 24? I think you know. Okay, going on. When the Holy Spirit convicts you that you've wronged somebody, whether they think you are wrong or not, obey the Holy Spirit. I've had situations where I was convicted. It wasn't an issue with them, or at least they didn't, they didn't admit that it was. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but they didn't admit it to me when I confessed. You know, I spoke unkindly to you. I know I was impatient. I really shouldn't have said that. I really shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? Oh, that's okay. Maybe they were bothered. Maybe they weren't. I shouldn't take their response as an indicator one way or another. Because, you know, I could ask Bernie for forgiveness. Oh, that's okay, Steve. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I didn't hear you, Lord. I mean, maybe I made too much out of it. I mean, I guess it was okay. I mean, he wasn't offended. No, we've got a lot. That's between the Holy Spirit and us and not make the other person the governing factor. Obey what you really think the Lord is saying. And then where there's a need for restitution, whether the other person knows you're the thief or not, or whatever the issue is, it might be stealing from their reputation or it might be a tangible issue, they may or may not know you're the thief. So by your initiative, make it right. Make restitution, whether it be physical or otherwise. And I've had people that uh, have stolen things, and I know that when they went to the owner's uh, those places where they worked and they offered to make restitution, I, I know that they knew there was a potential risk there because the owner may, may have turned them in and they may have faced charges and they may have gone to jail, but they were willing to obey the Lord and face those potential consequences. And of course, that's very pleasing to the Lord when you're willing to make the Lord the reason and obeying him, regardless of the potential consequences. Well, let's take a pause for a moment here before we go on. And just to give opportunity for you to consider, is there anybody that the Lord is bringing to mind that you need to go to and ask their forgiveness? Let's take a moment and consider that.
Is there anyone that the Lord is bringing to mind that you need to go to and ask their forgiveness? The Lord will be faithful to do that because remember, he's the God of reconciliation. He wants us to reconcile. We've been forgiven a debt we could never pay and he wants us to forgive one another. And when we sense that relationships are out of sort, he, he's out of sorts, he wants us to be a part of the solution. We may not be able to control the outcome because it takes three, but he wants us to be obediently a part of the solution. Well, as we go on with our lesson today, when is it not necessary? We've talked about when it is necessary to ask for forgiveness, to go to that person. When is it not necessary? Are there occasions where that wouldn't be necessary to actually go to that person and ask for forgiveness? Well, I believe one thing would be true for sure, and that would be the sins of the heart. Now, I realize when it comes to the sins of the heart, we might live out of those sins, express those sins, and those outward expressions might be occasions and probably will be occasions for us to ask for forgiveness. But the sins of the heart, such as hatred, sexual lust, jealousy, those, uh, those sins of those uh, kinds are between you and the Lord. I'm not minimizing that when I say that, and I'm not saying that um, um, the fact that you don't go to that person and ask, somehow that minimizes the offense. That's not what I'm talking about. But we need to consider, we need to consider the purpose for something. And certainly what we've talked about so far has purpose, that which has been said or done, not said or not done, omissions, commissions, outward expressions, yes, out of the heart. But when it comes to sexual lust, for example, and I trust this will uh, make the point very clear, let's say that you have had thoughts about someone of the opposite sex, uh, perhaps lustful thoughts, and you come under this kind of teaching and you really are thinking, oh, I want to obey the Lord to the nth degree. I want to obey the Lord to the max. I really feel convicted. I've been having these uh, thoughts toward this other person of the opposite sex. I'm, you know, I've really been lusting after them and I know that's wrong and that's a sin against God. I need to go and ask them for forgiveness. No. No, you, you do not. That is not, that does not apply. That will not only not be a blessing to them, but if it was anything positive in any way, shape, or form, because the presentation might be, you know, I've just been having thoughts about you, just been having feelings towards you, and then you share that with them, and then maybe they have towards you, and in some cases that's where things of the, get started in a wrong direction. Either way, it is misapplied, it's misappropriated, it is not a cause to go to that other person. So the sins of the heart are real, but it needs to be settled between you and the Lord. You don't go and put a burden on them, and you don't need to bring it out into the light because it's really your issue. It is your issue. You know, sometimes people, it's kind of a combo, they'll go because they'll want to obey in every degree and to the nth degree, which is good, but there also might be a part of the person that wants to kind of get the guilt out. You know, they feel guilty. So it's kind of a, a semi-confession, so to speak, to relieve them so they feel better. But can you honestly think, and I trust you've already got, you're already receiving the point, can you honestly think that it could possibly be a help or a blessing in a relationship? How could it possibly be a help or a blessing to that other person how could it possibly be a help or a blessing 
to the relationship by you uh, confessing that kind of sin to them. There is no way that would promote anything that the Lord would be pleased with. If anything, it would open the door for the wrong kinds of things or perpetuate the wrong kinds of things. Another example, in the case of hatred, especially when we talk about forgiveness, you know, maybe the Lord convicts you of hatred in your heart towards your father, your mother, another significant person. You come, come into this kind of a teaching and you feel convicted and so you call your dad up this afternoon and you go, dad, dad, I'm just so sorry. I've just, I'm just so convicted. I've hated you. I've hated you for the last 25 years. I've hated your guts. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for hating your guts? Is that what the Lord has in mind? Now, maybe because you did hate him, in fact, that that does need to be repented of and resolved, and maybe the expressions of, those hate, of that hatred, the rebellion in your youth and other expressions of that hatred would be cause, probably, to go and ask for forgiveness. But not because of the hatred, not making the hatred the issue. Forgive me for the hatred, in other words. Forgive me for the lust. Forgive me for the jealousy. Now, I've had people come up to me over the years that have, uh, I've offended, and, and they were trying to obey the Lord, and they asked me to forgive them for um, uh, really being upset with me, um, having resentment in their hearts toward me, and all of those kind of things. And, and I, didn't, I didn't try to correct them. I validated them. I didn't say, you know, you really didn't need to bring that up. I forgive you, but you really didn't need to bring that up. You know, rarely do I address that. I just say, you know, I just, because I know they're just trying to obey the Lord in those situations. They're sincere. I think it's sincerely wrong, not sincerely unnecessary, but it was sincere. So I want to validate the sincerity. Um, I'm not afraid of offending them again, but I just want to encourage them. Thank you for your obedience to the Lord and... Uh, Please forgive me for offending you. So I want to validate them, care for their heart, etc. But in these kind of situations where, there's, where this is appropriate to teach, then part of what I want to teach is that if you've got hatred, jealousy, uh, resentment in your heart, uh, you don't need to go to that person and say, will you forgive me for having hatred, jealousy, resentment in my heart towards you? Now, if you've done something, if you've acted it out, if there's been expressions thereof, Please forgive me for being unkind in whatever way. Please forgive me for being impatient. Free, please forgive me for wronging you. Fill in the blank. Um, but that's different than the issues of the heart. Yes, settle those with the Lord fully and completely. Not minimizing. But what you ask of someone else does not need to include Specifically, will you forgive me for this sin of the heart? Fill in the blank. The next part, when the offended person is repeatedly offended by you and is obviously walking in a spirit of unforgiveness towards you. I really believe this falls under the heading of somebody who won't forgive you. And we'll talk about that a little, uh, little bit uh, later on in the outline. And then... You have a willingness, another situation. You have a willingness and a desire to seek forgiveness, 
but the other person is deceased, and I don't recommend trying to talk to the dead, or you are unable to contact the person. So here you're totally willing, but not, it's, it's an ability issue. It's not, it, it, it's not a willingness issue. I really believe that it's, if it's important for God, important to God for you to talk with this person, I've heard testimonies where God has brought the people together. There's this person you wanted to ask their forgiveness, but you didn't know how to get a hold of them. What do I do? I want to ask their forgiveness. Talk to him about it and say, Lord, if it's important to you that we connect, if it's important to you that we get together, will you bring them into my life again? Otherwise, if that doesn't happen, the Lord takes the willingness for the deed. If there first be a willing heart, this is acceptable to the Lord, as it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 12. <coughs> Excuse me. And now, how to seek forgiveness, what we've been leading up to. Before asking for forgiveness from another person, be sure that you have already forgiven him or her. Last week, we talked about taking them off of your hook. That doesn't mean they're off God's hook of responsibility. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean they're free from responsibility before God but free them from you having any claim on them for your sake, for your sake, for your satisfaction. Because if you don't forgive them before you go and ask for forgiveness, it will affect your motives. It will affect your potential attitude as the dialogue begin, begins to unfold. For example, if you haven't forgiven them fully from your heart, and then you go and ask forgiveness for a part that you know you're wrong, and they won't forgive you, you will be very prone to be offended that they won't forgive you. Because you already have unforgiveness in their heart, your heart toward them anyway. That won't help you be a part of that solution from that point on in the conversation. Because you've got a claim. You've already got a claim as you go. All claims need to be given up to the Lord and the reason you're going is for their sake and the relationship's sake, not for your sake. That has to be the motivation. And keep in mind that the motivation cannot be to ask for forgiveness, to try to manipulate some encouragement, or to try to manipulate out of them how they feel about you. Because there are those situations in relationships where a person starts feeling insecure in the relationship, and rather than just being above board and direct and, you know, how are we doing, they'll think, well, you know, I've been wrong. I wonder if I've done anything. I wonder if I've been wrong. Oh, I can think of something. I, I know I was wrong. So, Ed, will you forgive me? For this, you know, I really want to have a good relationship with you. Ed, you really mean a lot to me. And of course, as I'm bringing those kind of things up, I'm hoping that when Ed gets done, he's going to say all these flowery things. He's going to say, oh, Steve, thanks for coming. Steve, you're one of my best friends. Steve, I respect you so much. Oh, Steve, forgive me if I haven't been giving you much attention lately. Oh, Steve, just pour it on. Pour. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Ed. Thank you, Ed. That's what I was looking for. I was giving to get. That was my motive. I was going to you to get something. That's what was going on. I mean, I'm not saying you say that, but that's what's going on in the heart. 
There's a whole lot of giving to get that goes on in relationships, and I pray that this Freedom Series, among other things, is exposing that, and that we'll own our part in that where we're wrong, and that we'll live to give, and love to love, and not give to get in relationships, and not use people to get our needs met. Our real needs, but the Lord wants to meet those needs. So check your motives. I'm not saying be introspective. You know, I'm not saying, it, oh, it has to be micromanaged. It's got to be, oh, it's just got to be oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Oh, I know, I'm perfect. Now I can go. No, no, no. We are in process. We're sincere. We might miss it here and there. We probably will miss the boat here and there. But God will look at our sincere hearts, and that will be so pleasing to him, and, and he'll give grace for those who have sincere, teachable, humble hearts. And then secondly, make sure it's clear in your mind what the offense is. Even if, you, even if you don't agree, whether you agree or disagree that you were really wrong, seek clarity. Se seek clarity for what the wrong is. I mean, if you see you're wrong, make sure that's clear to you. Yeah, but if it's only wrong in their minds, seek clarity so you understand what is wrong, what you did wrong, how you wronged them, seek understanding what they think. So either way, you are seeking clarity as to what is the offense here. And then if you were wrong in your mind and you can own that, label it as such and don't just say you're sorry. Really send the message, yeah, I am sorry. But if you can say you were wrong, say, if you believe you were wrong, say you were wrong. Don't just say, oh, I'm sorry that happened, because if we really want to make a connection here, if we really want reconciliation to take place, it's incomplete if I just say I'm sorry, because what does that really say to them? I mean, if they're really offended, what it could be saying to them is, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry you're upset. I'm sorry we're not getting along here lately. I'm, I'm sorry things aren't going well, as opposed to I'm sorry first and foremost because I was wrong. And yes, it has affected our relationship, but I'm sorry first and foremost because I was wrong. That makes a huge statement that will definitely help bring down the walls that the other person may have up if they've been offended. Keep in mind, you're wanting to help them obey the Lord. You're not only wanting to obey the Lord, but you want to approach it in a way that lubricates and makes it as easy as possible for them to respond in such a way where they'll obey the Lord, namely forgive you. Not trying to manipulate it, but how you present yourself and how you approach things can make all the difference in their response. Keep it simple. Don't defend yourself or make excuses. If you think you need to give an explanation, you may want to qualify that. And you may want to say, this might sound like an excuse, I don't want it to, uh, but just for the sake of explanation, this might help. Make that qualifier, because if you don't qualify it, they might think you're making an excuse. Now, you might be thinking, oh, they're going to think what they want to think. Well, maybe so, but do you want to be a part of the solution or a part of the problem? That's what this session is all about, how we can be a part of the solution. And this is probably not the best time to confront the other person of a wrong on their part. 
Make that a separate time. We'll talk about that next week. Free to confront. There is a place to confront. But if the main thing here is to own your part and to ask for forgiveness, it's probably not the best time, at least by plan. It may develop that way depending on the relationship. It may open up that way. And if it goes that way, so be it. I'm not saying you can't go that way, but don't make it a part of your planning to get into, okay, well, I've asked forgiveness for my part, and okay, that, that went pretty well. Now I'm going to tell you how you were wrong. No, that's not the way to go. One thing at a time, one thing at a time, major on asking their forgiveness, major on go and be reconciled. Now, there may be an occasion to confront them. We'll talk more about that next week. And all of the above should lead to the direct question, will you forgive me? And they may say, oh, no, that's no big deal. In some situations, they might minimize it and say, oh, that's, oh, that's okay, that's okay. And just say, well, I appreciate that it's okay, but it's important to me. This is important to me. Will you forgive me? Your relationship, my relationship with, with you means a lot to me. And, you know, I just want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm really serious about this. Will you please forgive me? You're helping them be honest with themselves, you know, because they might be kind of minimizing it. You're helping them be honest with themselves, honest with God, and honest with you. That, so if there is an offense that maybe they're not willing to take a look at it, you're helping them take a look at it without putting pressure on them. <coughs> if, you're not already, if you've not already done so, make sure you've humbled yourself before the Lord on any wrongdoing that he has made real to you. Maybe they've helped. <laughs> He's used them, perhaps, to show you, but you're agreeing with him in final analysis. And then finally, what if the other person won't forgive you? Remember, reconciliation only takes place if all three obey the Lord, you, the other person, and the Lord. If you've already forgiven them ahead of time, it's going to help you not to be offended if they won't forgive you. Remember, the other person doesn't hold the keys to your forgiveness. What if they won't forgive you? They may not in some cases. And Mindy and I have had that experience where we went to somebody, they wouldn't admit there was a problem. This was many years ago, and we asked again, and finally they said, well, if you don't quit bringing it up, there will be. But they never admitted that there was an issue, so I know they really didn't forgive us, so we committed it to the Lord. If we've obeyed the Lord, walking in forgiveness toward them, asked their forgiveness as applicable, made restitution or offered to do so, if that applies, confessed your wrong to the Lord, you're free, forgiven by the one who holds the keys. Is that enough? I know we know this, but sometimes we need to be reminded that if that other person doesn't forgive us, we're still forgiven, capital F, because the human being, the people person, doesn't hold the keys to our forgiveness. But depending on how important they are, we might let them. You know, if we've got them in a place of idolatry, you know, if they're in, if they're in two important of a spot in our lives, you know what I mean? If their approval or if relationship or their acceptance is too important, then we might be setting ourselves up to putting them in a position to hold the keys. That's not God's idea, but our, it'd be our doing at, our, our, at that point, putting them in that kind of position.
cast all your cares on him. There's a couple of verses there in um, Matthew 5, 25 and 26 that we'll talk about during the question and answer time and unpack that a little bit more. And we can talk about other issues of timing and approach at that time too. One more thing before we close and have our question and answer time. Sometimes as you try to uh, reconcile, it seems like no matter what you do, it doesn't work. No matter what you do, it just gets worse. Don't underestimate that there's a battle going on. There's a war in the heavenlies. There's a war right here on planet Earth, and the enemy hates reconciliation. So another thing that I'd like to talk about during our question and answer time is what do you do when the harder you try to reconcile, the worse it gets? There is an approach that you can take. There is a way you can be a part of the solution. And I, I pray that's what you're hearing loud and clear. This session is all about how to go and be reconciled, but reconciliation is not guaranteed. But one thing for sure, and I hope it's enough for you, that if you can resolve your part and your responsibility and know that you're free and clear with the Lord on your part, then that puts you in the best position to be a part of the solution to be reconciled, even if it doesn't happen. But you'll be reconciled with God and you'll be a whole person and you'll be living out of that resolution of heart, not dependent upon being reconciled with that other person, but depending, but living out of being reconciled with the Lord, which will make you a minister of reconciliation with others, for those who are willing to receive, for those who are willing to obey the Lord, for those who are willing to cooperate with Him, those who obey the Lord win, and those who don't obey the Lord lose. Don't make yourself the loser by putting winning and losing in the hands of somebody else in your life. Putting yourself in the hands of their obedience or disobedience. Yes, losses go on in relationships, but it doesn't have to be your loss. Sadly, it may still be theirs. But winning is obeying the Lord. And then you'll have the peaceable fruit of righteousness that Isaiah 32, 17 says as we obey the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, uh, you are so good. You are so kind. Move on our hearts, Lord, and I pray that it will be so important to us that we're a part of the solution. And we won't judge unrighteously those that are unwilling. But if anything, our hearts will move with compassion for them. Thank you for what you're teaching us, Lord, about how to be reconciled with you and with one another. Speak to each heart here, Lord. Where there's anything going on in anyone, I pray they will obey and take those steps of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.